I was thinking about what to say with, with Brian and Cassie, uh, getting ready to go uh, on the mission field, and thought, man, 12, 12 years ago this summer, um, I bought a set of CDs at One Day, which opened the door uh, for God to change my life, and, and he did. Um, but I don't know if, they, if um, I've ever told Brian and Cassie that that's actually... A set of, a set of uh, circumstances happened out of that that uh, are, is interesting for tonight. That, uh, in that in that set of sermons were three sermons by John Piper. as the first I'd ever heard of a guy named John Piper. And um, as soon as I got back from the conference, a buddy of mine uh, stole them. And I didn't know that he took those, those sermons. And they disappeared with them for a few months. And uh, eventually I got him back and thought, and he, my friend's name was Eric Hall. He, he told me, you really ought to listen to these. They're really, really good. I thought, oh, thanks. Thanks for taking them for months, and I didn't see them again. But um, he gave them back and told me I should listen to them. I, I listened to them, and, man, I found uh, a lot of things in those, in those sermons and subsequently through a lot of other uh, books from John Piper. But... Um, Later that summer, I think it was, or maybe it was the following summer, Eric worked at a, a baseball camp out at HLG, and he passed a book along to Brian called Let the Nations Be Glad, that Brian said was really influential in helping him uh, move towards, towards missions, uh, that that was a huge thing. I think Eric was intending to do a, a study with him, which... Didn't, didn't end up working out quite so well, but he got the book in his hands and, and God um, gripped his heart through that for the nations. And uh, the opening paragraph of that book starts out like this. It says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate and not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. There are not many books that advocate for the necessity of missions are going to start out by saying, hey, this isn't it. This isn't the ultimate thing. But he he does. He puts missions in its proper place behind worship Worship is the goal of our lives. Psalm 96, 2 through 4, I think we have a slide for that, says, Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations in his, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For great is the Lord. The reason why we declare his, his name among all the nations is because God is great. He is worthy of being praised among all the nations. And so what flows out of, of, um, of worship is missions. We, we spill out from, our, from the overflow of our hearts with telling other people about the greatness of God. So first and foremost, um, missions or uh, worship stays at the forefront. And as we celebrate tonight, this, just this new venture for the glory of God among, among the nations, 
Brian and Cassie beginning, beginning to go overseas. There's other people who are out in the crowd who are still planning and dreaming, and they haven't made it the, to this phase of going yet. But I just want to take an opportunity to remind you all, as, as well as other people who are looking towards how, what's my role in seeing God known among all the world. I want to take an opportunity to remind us of a few things, but especially Brian and Cassie, that worship, worship is the goal. And, and it was funny, as I kind of drew this out, I realized my, um, an outline for tonight's message would really be fall in line perfectly with our church's mission statement. Just love God, love people, and tell the world that um, worship, this is the piece about loving God. Love God. What would happen if we flipped this backwards? What, what Piper's talking about, you know, with, um, with missions somehow becoming ultimate. What would, what would happen if that became the main thing and worship somehow fell, fell backwards? That it, we'd become a bunch of busy people trying to get other people to become busy people, trying to convince other people to do ministry. It would be hollowed out. It would be a bunch of activity about nothing. And it's crazy that we need a reminder, but this, this can happen. We can lose sight of who God is so that we just get caught up in activity, activity, activity. We forget about the greatness of our God. And I, I can remember the last probably two months when I was in China that, that uh, I began to feel so many of the needs around me and like so many people that I want I to spend time with and, and share more of what I've learned about who God is with these people. And, and um, I began to draw away from my own time with the Lord personally and spend, spend more time with other people and just how... Um, that was probably the worst two months overseas. Uh, I just became depressed. I became um, like over overburdened, but not joyful. Not not flow, a life flowing out of worship, and it's it um, it just ministry imploded on itself in my life for those couple of months as I gave in to to this pressure to 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 meet pressing needs instead of spending time with the Lord. So, don't fall prey to that. What was great about, for me, this, this uh, paragraph by Piper um, about worship being ultimate is that it made, made sense out of all of life. It made sense as, as being here in the U.S., and it made sense when I was overseas. It's this, the same tasks that we're um, to be about all of my life is supposed to be encompassed by worship, seeing God in, in every area of life. So no matter whether here or there, worship is, is ultimate. This, this heart attitude of prizing God. And I, I think George Mueller never, or he said it so well when he said, um, he said, I must have my soul happy in God. If not, I'll be of no use to anybody. I'll just use them to satisfy my vacancies. And one thing to remind us of is we must have God. We must have worship at the center of life. The second, the second thing to remember, remind you all of, is to love people. 
And ironically, the best way to love people is by loving God. And when people see in your life this, uh, this, this heart that, that worsh- is worshiping God, it made me, um, made me think about Donald Miller saying something in Blue Like Jazz. He says uh, that he never really liked jazz music because it didn't resolve. There was just something annoying about it. But then one time he was outside of a theater and he was watching uh, a guy play a saxophone, I think. And um, for 15 minutes, the guy just played away and never opened his eyes, never looked around him, just passionately loving playing jazz. And after that, well, he was won over, you know. All of a sudden, he likes jazz music too. And uh, sometimes we need to see somebody else loving something before we can, we can love it ourselves. And so this piece about we need to love God is that loving God is the best way to love people. If they see your God in transvision and your heart of, of love for the Lord, that's the best way that we can demonstrate love for people. Can you imagine what it would be like if I gave Cora a car? Like right now, if I just gave her a car, she would sit inside of it and she would probably, you know, fidget with all the buttons, roll up the windows, uh, turn up the radio, make the windshield wipers move, do all this stuff, make the car, do everything but what it's supposed to do, and that's to drive you someplace. She'd turn up the radio, turn up so loud she'd get frustrated and, and leave the car screaming because it's deafeningly loud. You know, she can't turn it back down. I think God is, God is sending you all out to be worshipers, to demonstrate so that people would have a pattern of what it's like to love God, of something that makes sense. Because they, they see something in themselves. They are made in the image of God, and they, they have something of a knowledge that there's something cool in this car. There's, there's something cool here, but they can't piece it together in a way that's coherent and that makes sense. And for God is sending out his church body to be that visible demonstration, to be that visible expression of his, of his love. And so God is sending you out to be a worshiper, mainly, so that people see in you a way, a pattern of what it looks like to love God with your, with your family, what it looks like to love God with, your, with your, your money, what it looks like to love God with your mind, with your heart. God is sending you out mainly as a worshiper. But people are to see more than just a love for God in you. People are also to see the struggle and the, the suffering that you have in demonstrating the God, in, in attempting to carry the gospel to them. I, I don't think that I've ever uh, heard anybody else draw this out quite the way that like I've, I've heard John Piper draw it out, and I don't know why that is. It, he, he talks about Colossians 1, um, 24, and it's this pretty strange verse. Um, that He says, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. You read that verse and you have to scratch your head and think, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? How, 
that is a, that is a really strange verse to me until um, he drew a parallel between that verse and this other verse right here in, in Philippians. Philippians 29 and 30. The background for this, um, the church at Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Paul. They had gathered an, an offering and they were, they were bringing it. They wanted Epaphroditus to carry this thing to Paul. And along the way, Epaphroditus gets sick and he almost dies. And Paul writes back to the church at Philippi and says, receive him, that's this messenger errand guy, uh, his name is Epaphroditus, so receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So what was, what was lacking in the, the church at Philippi's service to, to Paul? Well, nothing was lacking in the gift. Nothing was lacking in their, in their gift. The only thing that was lacking was a demonstration, was a presentation of the gift that they'd already collected perfectly to the people, to the person who they wanted to send it to. And that's the same way that, that Paul says he's filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. Well, what in the world? How, how is he filling up what's something lacking in Christ's afflictions? Christ is the perfect sacrifice. What could be lacking in Christ's afflictions? Nothing except the expression of it in person, in a visible extension to the people who he died to purchase it for. That's the way that, that, Christ, that Paul viewed himself as an ex, his, in his afflictions, in the suffering that he endured to, to carry the gospel to people. He viewed himself his afflictions as a visible expression of the way that, that Christ loved the church and he carried it in this way. Just like we say that we died with Christ. Well, we didn't die with Christ. Our death is not one like his is, just the way that our afflictions are not the same thing as Christ's afflictions. But there is a sense in which we join with him in expression to, to the world. We die to self so that we can have new life. Well, we, what I guess I'm, what I'm trying to communicate, I hope I'm getting across here, is that the suffering that we endure to share the gospel, whether that's small and a, a emotional stress that happens because I'm about to confront someone with, with truth that they may not like here, or whether that is a, a beating that we receive physically, those things, the way that we suffer, the way that we um, endure to share the gospel is an extension of the body of Christ demonstrating the love of Christ. And that's, that's how we minister to the church. That's how God is going to call people in to, to know him. That's part of what loving people would look like. So I want to say it again. Just God is sending you out as worshipers so that people will see in you a visible expression of Christ's of, of Christ love, something that makes sense out of this, this world that, that they don't, what, don't get together. 
that their worldview just doesn't connect. But Christ is sending out his body to be the to be the visible representation of his love. And uh, the number three thing that I just want to remind us of is to tell the world that the the gospel is a message, that the gospel is um, our only only hope. Um, You know, kind of like uh, on Remember Remember the Titans, one of the other coaches comes along and he's saying, you know, I, I got some trick plays. We should try running these, at spice, it, spice it all up. Well, we don't have any trick plays. We really have one message, Christ and him crucified, and it's over and over, preached over and over, and sometimes it's life unto life, and sometimes it's, it's death. You know, sometimes it just doesn't connect, but over and over again, keep the message, keep the gospel message strong. The gospel is, is a message, and it, it must be spoken verbally, and it needs to be seen non-verbally. How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How will they hear without someone preaching? Faith comes by hearing. We've got to speak the message and be strong on the message of the gospel. It needs to be grasped heart and and mind. It must be known and loved here as well as abroad. And we're excited to send you all out today because because you have loved it here and we trust you will love it there among among other people. When I think about what today is like, today is something like uh, your wedding day. Today is something like the day when you made a commitment in front of a lot of people that totally changed the direction of what daily life looked like. But that service, you know, that wedding service didn't really create that marriage, didn't create that healthy marriage. I wish we could make a one-time decision to do something and then, like, have, you know, uh, the effects carried out. I wish I could, for once and for all, love decide to love my wife perfectly. It just doesn't happen like that. I married my wife, and I chose to love her. Once for all, I said, I'll be all for her. But now every day, I must choose again to love her, choose to deal kindly and to forgive quickly, to express love freely, and and to make these decisions daily. And it's a one-time decision that just requires a daily recommitment. And everyone that's happily married knows that. But to be a world Christian is the same, same thing. You're here saying, we will go to the nations, we will, we will be missionaries, we will, we will tell the gospel, we will live lives of Christ-likeness. But we, we will need to be there for you again and again to help you make that decision over and over again, to help you to make that decision to, to move in love for people. We want to be there for you. And so this is a, this is a commitment on two, two parts. This is Brian and Cassie saying they're going to go, and this is a commitment for our church saying we want to be here to support and to send. In short, love God to be a worshiper. Love people 
Be the expression of Christ's love and tell the world, speak the gospel. That's really what I wanted to say. I just wanted to remind you briefly of things that you already know, but things that it's good good to think about again. To love God, love people, and tell the world. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have loved us, that you so loved the world that you sent Christ to die in our place for everyone who would, who would trust you. And I so thank you that, that you work in our hearts and that you continue to work through us and we can join in, in, uh, in ministry we get to play a part in, in seeing other people come to faith and to know you. God, I thank you that, that uh, you are our rock and our fortress and you remain the one who uh, you draw us near over and over again. You don't send us out on some mission alone, but you will be with us even to the end of the age. God, I pray that you would be with uh, Cassie and Brian and that you would uh, be their support, be their strength, and I pray that you would help us here at BC to, to encourage them over and over again as they've encouraged us. We love you today. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.